God, I don't want to move too fast past this moment because I I know that you're here with us. And I thank you um, for meeting us here. Thank you that you are so faithful to show us um, more of who you are. We can't take in all of who you are at one time, God, but thankful, I'm thankful that you show us piece by piece what we can handle, that you show us new parts of you every day, God. Um, I pray that you do that today, Holy Spirit. Speak through me, move me out of the way. I don't want people to hear what I have to say. I want them to hear what you have to say. God, thank you so much for this moment with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You guys have a seat. Can somebody flip the first and third thumbs up? Can somebody flip those things for me back there? Look at that. Oh, look at all these faces. Give me just a second. That happens to me. I cannot get my glasses clean to save my life without like a microfiber. Okay. All right. If I have not gotten to meet you, my name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here with Clint. And I get to talk to you guys about prayer today. I am so excited. And some of you might be thinking, like, do I really need to be taught how to pray? But I'm going to say yes, because it's a spiritual discipline. And a discipline is something that's there to, like, work out and get better. Um, who in here, they're kind of like a training exercise, okay? So who in here likes, maybe not likes, likes probably isn't the right word. Who in here runs? Does anybody in here run? Okay. So has anybody in here run a 5K? Like, John walked by, Jordan's so proud back there. I've done it. I have done it. Um, <laughs> what about a half marathon? Has anybody done a half marathon? Wow. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that Christiane here would be. Jordan, I'm surprised. Surprise. Okay. Good job. Okay. What about a full marathon? Has anybody run a full marathon? No. Okay, listen. I don't blame you because I think that those people are crazy. Like, you can keep that to yourself. I do not want to do that. But if you're going to run a half marathon or a full marathon, you need a training plan to follow. Honestly, I wouldn't know because I don't run. Like, I have tried, because did you know there are training plans for 5Ks? Like, there's a whole app that you can download that's couched to 5K. I have started it not once, not twice, but three times, and I have yet to run a 5K. So, you know, I'll get there one day. Um, just this last fall, I was like, I'm going to run a 5K. It's going to be awesome. And then it got kind of cold. And running outside is marginally better than running inside. <laughs> and so once I had to start running on a treadmill, I was like, mm, this isn't fun. And then the 5K that I was going to do, like, I ended up not being able to. And so honestly, I'm giving you a lot of excuses as to why I just don't run anymore. So I just don't like it. But one day, one day, I want to run a 5K. One day, I, I even... Oh my, I'm so scared to say this out loud. I'm going to, I'm going to, because I put it on my bucket list this week. I want to, to do a half marathon. I want to do it. Full marathon, I'm out. I don't want to do that. No desire to. But for me to do that, I'm going to have to follow a training plan. And that's what spiritual disciplines are. If you want to live the full, abundant life that God has for you, you have to be able to build up to it. You have to be able to practice and work that out. And so prayer is one of those things. So if we're going to talk about how to pray, I want to get us all on the same page, okay? How many people in here believe in the power of prayer? Okay, we're all on the same page. Yes, I can't tell you how it works, so I hope that that's not what you're looking for from me because I can't answer it. But I can tell you that when we pray, God works. Um, but next question, how many of you, even though you believe in the power of prayer, think that you could pray more consistently or with more faith? Listen, I'm right in there. Like, I'm right there with you guys. And I think it's so crazy that we have full access. God gives us the full access to walk boldly. The Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, not just, um, like, timidly or like, hey, God, 
can you help me? Like, we can walk boldly to the throne of grace, but so many times we don't access that power that God gives us. And there are some reasons I think you can, I'm not quite to read pray boldly yet, but we do pray boldly. We're going to get there. Um, I have some theories as to why we struggle. I think some of us are insecure. Um, maybe you've grown up, probably not necessarily, not necessarily from me, because I struggle with this insecurity, but like you hear people pray and you're like, God's probably really impressed with them right now. Like, they're really good prayers. They, they just, like, call down fire from heaven. And I'm like, dear God, be with me today. Like, it just makes you feel insecure. You feel like there's, like, a point system. Like, you feel like you probably get an extra point if you, like, put in a scripture reference. But it's not enough to say, like, you work all things together for good, God. You have to say, like, in Romans 18, or, see, that, that's why I don't say it, because it's Romans 28, right? Romans 8, 28, that's what it is. See, that's why I don't put in scripture references, because I struggle. That's like an insecurity of mine. But, like, or, you know, you want people to go, like, mm, yeah, amen, that's right, Jesus. Like, you want people to do these things, and when they don't, you feel a little insecure. And so you just don't pray out loud. And sometimes when you don't want to do that, you think like, I'm not good at this. Does God really listen? And so that leads into you not even praying uh, privately. Or what about maybe you're bored? Maybe it bores you. I remember on a mission trip in middle school to New Orleans, we were told that we were going to be praying for an hour. And I was like, what? Excuse me? What? And then even as an adult on staff at a church in full-time ministry, I remember seeing like a three-hour meeting block that was just praying. And I was like, we had that many things to pray about. Like I was super like, what? Kind of dreading it. But I think that so many times like we just feel um, like it's a one-sided conversation. And have you guys ever gotten or tried to get a conversation going with someone that just doesn't want to talk to you? Like in real life, like a person and you're like, give me something, come on, let's go. And it just doesn't. Sometimes I think that we feel that way about God. Like if we are not hearing from God, it feels like a one-sided conversation and nobody enjoys those. Or sometimes I think that it's like, we feel like it doesn't really matter because we've been praying and we've been praying and we've been praying and we're not seeing anything happening. So does it really even matter? Why do I keep doing it? And lastly, I think most of us don't pray the way we should because at the root of it, we're not really relying on God. I did a lot of work, a lot of work over the past two weeks. So looking back at my life, looking at how God's wired me and all of that stuff, but I saw an entire season of my life where I was doing what I wanted to do and asking God to bless it after the fact. I was not relying on God. And I promise you that in that season, I was not praying like I should be praying. Because if you fully rely on the power of God in your life, you can't help but pray. So when you're on your own and you're doing whatever you want, you're not praying the way that you should be. But like, God has so much more for us in prayer. Prayer is how we act. We have full access to the creator of the universe. Like that's how we get connected with God to figure out like, what is my purpose in this big grand scheme of things? Like, why am I here? That's how, that's how we do that. It's, it's, prayer knows no time or boundaries because God is so much bigger than those. Like, Prayer matters, and we have all of that access to it, but yet we don't use it. So today, I'm going to tell you guys three things that God has dropped in my heart that are keys to praying. And like, I'm not, I'm not saying this is really good because it's me, but like, God gave me these, and they're simple, they're memorable, and I want you guys to take these and practice them. Because if you put these into practice, you're going to see a difference in your life because you're going to see God working on your behalf, okay? So, we're going to dive in. The first way that we pray is we pray boldly, all right? I mean, we make the big ask. 
we trust that God's ways are higher than ours, and we trust Ephesians 3.20 that says, I can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So we could sit there, we have we made a bucket list this week. I can sit there and look at that bucket list and pray through all of those, and God is like, that bucket list isn't anything to what I have. Like he has all of these things for us, and he wants us to ask him for it. So when I think of bold prayers in the Bible, my mind instantly goes to a guy named Joshua in the Old Testament, okay? So I'm going to walk you through his story because I think this is one of the boldest, craziest prayers prayed in the Bible, and it's, it's like, impacted our lives, okay? So we're going to go to Joshua chapter 10 to set the stage. The king of Jerusalem, who it was not a part of Israel at this point, um, he has heard about Joshua and the Israelites because they have been knocking down all of these cities, and he hears that they have recently become friends with the Gibeonites who were within like 10 miles from them. Um, and so the Gibeonites were already super strong. Israel was already really strong. And he's like, I am not okay with this. This is, this something has to change. So this picks up in chapter 10. It says, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the town of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when they heard all this because Gibeon was a large town, as large as the royal cities and larger than Ai, and the Gibeonite men were strong warriors. So King Adonizedek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings. He said, come, help me destroy Gibeon, he urged them, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all of their troops into the place and attacked Gideon. I can't help but think of um, Troy. I don't know if y'all have seen that movie, Troy, whenever like everybody is coming against Troy. Like that's how I feel. Like, you know, they had like 100,000 warriors or whatever um, coming against one city. And that's what this is. Five different kingdoms were coming together. They weren't attacking Joshua and the Israelites because they were too afraid of them. They were going to attack Joshua's friends, the Gibeonites. Um, so then this happens in verse six. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. So the Gibeonites are like, hey, Joshua, you remember us? Like, we're pulling our friend card now. You need to come and help us, like, right now. And I think that this is super interesting, and it's probably a sermon for another day, but I want you guys to know that in Joshua chapter 9, the Gibeonites tricked Joshua into making a treaty with them. They were from a very close town, and they knew that Israel was not going to let them stand, that they were standing in the way of the promised land. And so they had their guys dressed up in this, like, old, junky clothes. They put um, wine into old wineskins. They, like just looked super like gross. And they walked up and they're like, oh, we came from so far. When we left our town, this wineskin was new. Now look at it. And like they tricked them. So Joshua, instead of going to God and asking if he should sign this peace treaty for the, the whole nation of Israel, he said, sounds legit, signed it, and then found out that he had been tricked. So he signed this treaty with these people. He was already not happy about it. And then these people were like, and we need your help against these five other armies. Um, and so it would have been very easy. Like Joshua's peace treaty just meant that he would not kill them. So it would have been very easy for him to be like, do that, guys. Like, you made your bed, now lie in it. But he was a man of his word, and he 
stuff. To, he went above and beyond what he had promised them. So in chapter seven, or in verse seven, it says, so Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. I'm going to pause right there and say when I was reading this, I was like, man, it would be really easy to go into battle if God looked at me and said, hey, I got your back. You're good. Like, and when I was thinking that, God dropped in my heart. I have said that. He says it in Matthew. He says, take heart for I have overcome the world. So just, just a thing here, like we have that. God's already told us that. That's a little nugget. Just set that aside. Oh, that was in John. I'm sorry. John 16, Told y'all references. Not my strongest suit but it's in the Bible. So we also are fighting, <laughs> we also are fighting from victory. We're not fighting for victory. Victory is already ours through Jesus. We are fighting from victory the same way that the Israelites were. So it moves on uh, in verse nine, Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Haran killing them all along the way to Azekah and Makaida. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. I think that is wild. Like, I think that's so cool that God did that. Because it says first, it says that they slaughtered a great number but then God was like, I, you know what? I got it. I'm going to use hail. Like, I just think that's amazing. And I think it's incredible that God was fighting for them because the Israelites were exhausted. Gilgal was not next door. The Israelites, Joshua and the army of Israel, they walked over 20 miles and gained over 3,000 feet of elevation overnight to get to this battle, to, to stand by their word, to do what God had told them to do. So Joshua is looking at this and watching God fight for them, right? And then uh, he decides to take it a step further. And in verse 12, the Bible says, On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all of the people of Israel. He said, Let the sun stand still over Gideon and the moon over the valley of Aijalon. It's a big ask. Talk about a big ask. Like, hello, just, just change the whole science of the world for me. Because Joshua knew back in these days, they didn't fight at night. And so if night came and the battle was not won, that gave the Amorites the time to go back and to, to get situated and to get their act together and kind of strategize how to fight the battle the next day to where the Israelites, they were like, I don't, I don't know what will happen the next day. So he, I, I, it's so bold that Joshua, he didn't just pray it like, he wasn't standing over in the corner just praying like, like he stood in front of the entire nation of Israel and he said, God, make the sun stand still so that we can win this fight. And here's what happens next. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. So they walked back down the hill, back, you know, 20 miles. But 
Um, there's all sorts of theories as to how this could have happened. Like he could, God could have slowed the sun or like slowed the rotation of the earth or tilted it on his axis or just manifested himself to be light. Like how it happens doesn't really matter, but it's written outside of the Bible that the sun stood still that day because Joshua prayed for it. And you guys like the God that Joshua prayed to that made the sun stand still is the God that we pray to. He has fed the 5,000. He's opened the Red Sea. He's raised Joshua from the dead. He raised Jesus from the dead and says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is living in you through the Holy Spirit. This is the God that we're praying to. Why don't you trust him with your finances? Why don't you trust him with your future? Why don't you trust him with your business? Why don't you trust him with your family? He can do all of those things, and yet we ask, we pray these prayers that just don't honor God because bold God, bold prayers honor God. Because that's what we're saying. We know that you can do this. We're asking you to do it. And God honors bold prayers. He's done all of that. Like we, we, we get to trust him. Um, and the size and the boldness of our prayers, they all depend on how the size and the faith that we have in God. Like we have to believe that God is who he says he is. And he is, he's done all of this and he wants to do it for you. That's his nature. He loves nothing more than to bless us, to, to make miracles happen, to provide for us. That's who he is. And he wants us to ask the bold prayers. So if God knows no limits, neither should our prayers. All right, so we pray boldly. We also pray specifically. Uh, I'll never forget, we, we were living in Florida and we were about to move to Tennessee. I am like a super... Not, not logical, but like, I need all my ducks in a row. Like, I wanted to know where we would live, like who our friends would be, like all of these things, like the practical, like family side of it. And so I was losing sleep over like, God, where are we going to live? Like, how are you going to do this? We're in Florida. And this was pre-pandemic. Thank you, Jesus, barely. Um, but I didn't know where we would be. And there was one day I was sitting down and praying and God said, hey, don't you remember that you are living in a miracle right now? And he took me back to um, moving to Florida was the, the day that I turned the page on my life of uh, doing what I wanted and asking God to bless it. Moving to Florida was whenever I was like, you got my life, God, I trust you. And from that, like, he, he told me when we lived in Florida, we had to move from West Palm Beach up to Stewart. It was like 30 minutes away. And I was like, okay, God, you provided what we needed here. I've seen you do miracles. I'm going to pray specifically. And so I prayed for three bedrooms in a backyard and a house. Like, that's it. Those were my prayers. Um, and I had, like, a budget that we needed. And so I prayed those and um, thought we found the place, and I was super excited, and then it, we couldn't get into it. And I was like, oh, shoot. And then the, the best place came. It was exactly what I had prayed for. And I was like, man, God, you did it. Like, this is great. And then quickly, when time came to move again, I had forgotten that. And I was like, I, God had to remind me of his faithfulness then so that I could trust in his faithfulness in the next step. And so I was sitting there and I was like, okay, God, I'm going to bring the kids in on this. Guys, what do you want to ask God for? And so Reuben said he wanted a basement because he was a little nervous about tornadoes. So he was like, I want a basement. And Ellie wanted a fireplace because she had never lived in a place with a fireplace before. So she was like, I want a fireplace. And um, I made it. <laughs> I asked for a house with a yard, and God gave us a house with a sand pit in the backyard. So I was like, okay, God, in Florida, not here. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to ask specifically for a big backyard where the kids can play, um, three bedrooms. And then I had a budget that was like, that was the laughable part. Like, there are plenty of houses out there, what I was praying, and our budget was like, 
Okay, cool. Um, and so God had put in my spirit that we were supposed to put it on Facebook. And I had put it off for months and months and months because I felt weird about it. I was like, that just feels weird to like, it feels desperate. I don't know, God. But it was probably January and we were moving in February and we still didn't have a place to live. And God said, put it on Facebook. And so we, we put it on Facebook and Clint got a message that day from a lady and he got, he, we got connected, like he connected me with her and she was telling me about his house and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we were praying for. Like, this would be amazing, but there's no way. Like I had found plenty of houses and they were all at least 500 more than we could afford at the time. Um, and I said, well, this all sounds great. What are you, what are you looking to get for it? And she said the exact number that I had been praying. And it was just like, whew. Okay, guys, I had been praying. Two fireplaces. Two, there are two fireplaces. Now, listen, the fireplaces don't work, but that's okay. And so now, I, Clint, Clint alluded to it last week. Now we are moving from that house. Um, and so now I, I have the faith to pray specifically. And I, I'm praying four bedrooms so that every kid can have their own space and the girls can just get out of each other's hair. And I want two vanities, like just random things. <laughs> Walk-in closet. We'll see. Um, you don't want to get too fancy. No, I'm just joking. I know I'm just joking. But um, I can pray those prayers because I've prayed specifically in the past. I've seen God do it, and now I have the confidence to pray specifically in the future. Because when we pray specifically, it opens our eyes to God working. Because if we're if we're not praying specifically and we're just praying general prayers, we don't know if if God's answering our prayers or if it's just coincidence is happening. You know what I mean? Like praying specifically honors God, and that's how he works. And so listen, I want to read you guys a story in uh, Matthew where you see that this is how Jesus works. In chapter 20, it says, As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them, which I think is ridiculous. I would like to think that I would not yell at somebody who was trying to get Jesus to help them. But they only shouted louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. So Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. I read that and I'm like, really, Jesus? Like, why did you ask that? Um, it was obvious that they, they couldn't see and that they wanted his help. And it, it, Jesus wasn't asking this because he didn't know what they wanted, but he wanted to know that they knew what they wanted him to do. So what do you want God to do in your life? What fruit of the spirit do you want him to grow? What, uh, what numbers do you want to hit in your business this year? What do you want to see for your kids? What school are you looking to get into? What person are you wanting to meet? Think about it. Name it. And tell God that. And this isn't like a name it or claim it prosperity gospel. I'm just saying that God has good plans for your life. Right. And you need to ask him specifically yeah. for them. Um, if, if faith is being sure of what we hope for, then not knowing what we're hoping for is really the antithesis of faith, right? Yeah. Like, we have to live a well, a well-developed faith results in well-defined prayers that leads to a full, abundant life with Jesus. So we pray specifically. And lastly, we pray through. We pray through. So praying through simply means that we pray until we get an answer. We don't give up. 
All right, so the reality is most of us don't see God working in our lives because we've stopped praying. We've stopped asking him for things. We give up too soon. We quit praying right before that miracle happens. All right, um, there's a difference between praying for and praying through. We pray for our food. You pray for your food. You thank God for your food. We pray through a broken relationship. We pray for safe travel. We pray through a season of infertility. We pray for our team to win the game. We pray through a period of being without a job. So you get what I'm saying? Like, we don't pray for a broken relationship. We pray through until God has restored that relationship or he, he has, has healed us and we're, we've moved on in a different direction until that, that season of our life is over. We don't pray for a spouse. We pray through until God has put us with someone or he's changed our hearts to, to a different plan for our life. We don't pray for a job. We pray through until God provides a job where he wants you to be, where you can go live out your calling, live out your purpose, and make a difference. So in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells us this parable. He says, there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. I think that's me sometimes, especially to Clint. I'm like, can you please do the dishes? Can you do the dishes now? What about now? How about now? Right? But you love me. You love me. <laughs> okay, but listen, Jesus isn't comparing God to this judge. God is not this judge. He is really the complete opposite of this judge because the judge was unfair. It says it in there. He, he wasn't fair. He didn't care about people, anything like that. But God is very fair. The judge had no personal interest in the widow. He was doing it for himself. He's like, I'm going to help you so you get off my back. I am done with you. Um, and God loves and cares for us who pray to him. And the judge answered out of his own self-interest, like I just said. The judge was like, I just need to be done. But God answers our prayers for our interests because he loves us and he wants good things for us. But what Jesus is really saying is don't lose heart. It's easy to lose heart because prayer is hard work. We are choosing to say no to, to our own flesh and what we see around us. And we're choosing to say yes to God and trusting that he has better things for us. We are, uh, it's easy to lose heart because the devil hates prayer. Right. The devil would love for us to not believe in the power of prayer because it makes his job way easier. If we don't trust that God can do more than we could ever think or imagine, it's way easier for, for the devil to get a foothold in there. And it's easy to lose heart because we're not always convinced of the reality that the, of the power of prayer. Because what happens when you're praying and nothing happens? I think that this is the hardest part of praying because I've, I've, there are prayers that I have prayed that I have never seen come to fruition. Um, but Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, there are some mysteries that won't be revealed until we cross into eternity. 
Um, and let me tell you, I have a lot of questions that I'm going to ask God. But in moments when you've been praying boldly, you've been praying specifically, you have been praying through this situation and you still feel like God isn't doing something, those are the times where you have to claim Psalm 8411. It says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God isn't holding out on you. He's not holding back on you. That goes against his entire being and who he is because he's a good father that loves to give us gifts. If, if we love blessing our kids as humans, how much more does our father love us and want to bless us? It, what we're going through might not make sense now. It might not make sense five years from now. It might not make sense on this side of eternity, but we have to trust that God loves us too much to give us everything that we ask for. We don't know what's best for us. And sometimes God holding out on us is God protecting us from something that we were never supposed to walk in. Um, but again, sometimes we're not seeing the answers to our prayers because we've given up. So I want to ask you guys today, what dreams have you given up on? What hopes need to be resurrected inside of you? What miracle do you need to start believing for again? I want to share this, uh, this praise with you because this is an example of praying through um, and seeing God do something. So this, I'm sharing this with permission. So it says, the last seven years have been rough. Life has been upside down. Our family has been through a lot due to marriage issues. Our marriage likely would have ended in divorce if it wasn't for God. He's carried me through a devastating valley with incredible pain and heartache. God has shown me my true identity. He's shown me my worth. My faith has grown exponentially. God has grown me and given me opportunities to live out my calling. He's provided a peace and a joy I didn't know was possible. Believe in the power of prayer. We just celebrated our 32nd anniversary on Thursday. Guys, this is praying through. This is not giving up. This is going, no, I know what you've called me to, God. I'm not giving up. Right. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what my circumstances say. You have said that you are faithful. You are faithful to do what you've called me to do. Right. And th this is praying through. What have you guys lost hope on? What is inside of you that you have let die because you haven't seen God work in the way that you expected or that you hoped or that you wanted? Um, and answering that question requires faith. It requires faith to refuse to put periods where God has put a comma, where like it takes faith to believe that this isn't the end. God has something more for me. It's a faith that believes that God can reverse the irreversible. It doesn't matter what has happened because God is bigger than that. He can change everything in the blink of an eye. And it's a faith that believes that it's not over until God says it's over. Sometimes God says it's over and that's okay, but it's not over until God says that. And it's a faith that says, even if he doesn't, he is still good. And I know that there are probably people in this room that don't have that kind of faith right now. You have something, a broken dream inside of you or a, a relationship you want to see restored or something that you need God to do. And you don't have faith to believe that, but I have faith for you. Okay, this church is full of faith. Pastor Clint has that faith for you. There are people all in this room that have that faith for you. So borrow our faith. We believe it for you, okay? So I want you guys to go ahead, bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're sitting here now and you're saying, that's me, 
there's something inside of me um, that's died, a prayer that's unanswered, or a promise that I've let go of, and I need to borrow some faith to believe for that again. Would you slip your hand up for me real quick? All right, I see those hands. God, I want to... I want to ask you just come into these lives, God. You know the stories, you know the situation, and you know what they've asked you for. And right now, in this moment, Holy Spirit, fill them up with faith. This week, today, cross their paths with someone with a similar story who can speak life into them, that they can tell you what they did in their life so that they can remember that you can do it in theirs. I pray that you part their Red Sea, that you make the way, that you restore the relationship Give the job, give the finances, whatever it is that they've given up on, God, I pray that you resurrect it because you can do that. You are a good God who loves to give good gifts to our children, God. You don't withhold any good thing. You don't withhold any good thing, God. You give us great things. You don't let us settle for the good. You give us the great. God, I pray that over every one of those hands. Um, God, we know that you're willing and able, and I pray that you show up and show off for your glory. And if you're sitting here and you're going, praying sounds great and all, but I don't even really know what I think about Jesus, um, I want you to know that all of these promises are yours too, through Jesus, okay? And you can start a relationship with him today. So if that's something you've never done before, you can pray with me now. God, I know I've messed up. I know I'm not perfect. Thank you for, uh, for paying for that with Jesus on the cross so that I can live an abundant life here and now. Today, I ask you into my life and I turn from my old ways. Take my life and use it for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, guys, I love y'all. I am so for you. And I've always got faith for you guys to borrow, okay?